When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Podcast. What is up, College Across fans? You're watching episode 235 of the Lax Factor Podcast. I'm your host, Ted Houston. We have lacrosse this weekend. Finally, we have a f- almost a full slate of games. It's not quite a full slate of games. I am going to call this week one. It could be week zero. I don't know. So if this ends up being week zero and next week's week one, we're just going to have two week ones, but this is the opening weekend. That's what I'm going to call it, the opening weekend. And today I'm going to preview every single game that's going to be played this weekend, starting with Syracuse at Vermont. Before I get into it, though, as always, be sure to like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, share the crap out of both the video version and the audio version of this podcast. You can get video versions on Spotify and on YouTube, and then you can get shorts and all that crap across TikTok, Instagram, wherever else. Uh, And you can always go to laxfactor.com and support us that way. You can buy our branded podcast t-shirts. You can watch our videos. You can get random t-shirts that we also have that have nothing to do with Lax Factor or just designs by me. And you can watch our uh, uh, film review videos and all that crap. So let's dive into the first matchup that I want to talk about today, and that is Syracuse at Vermont. Now, their last meeting was on March 6th of 2021. Cuse won 17-13. That was a very good Vermont squad, and Syracuse was kind of starting to to have that kind of decline in terms of the talent compared to the the mid-majors. Now, Syracuse fans this season, they have a ton to be excited about with the best recruiting class in the country looking to start their orange careers on Saturday and a solid outing in the scrimmage against Michigan. Now, a lot of people are going to be like, oh, you know, another Cuse fan talking about a scrimmage. Listen, I was at the Yale scrimmage, The uh, one of the Yale scrimmages where Whale, Yale beat Syracuse and Yale was a better team than Syracuse that day. I saw Syr- Syracuse uh, scrimmage Vermont, I think actually it may have been the, no, the 20 20 season, uh, whatever. Scrimmages do hold some merit because last year, the word out of the scrimmage against Michigan was that we lost tilts for the season to a shoulder injury and Syracuse had gotten waxed by Michigan. What happened that regular season last year? The worst Syracuse lacrosse team of my lifetime, I think maybe ever. So let's not pretend that scrimmages mean nothing. In this case, it seemed to be reversed a little bit. It seemed to be five or six goals by the time the starters hit the bench. Cuse was winning. Cuse's offense looked better. What I've been told is that Spalina and Burt Whistle were the leading scorers on the day. Hiltz got in on some action. I was told Will Mark looked really good in cage and that the the goalie situation this year for Syracuse is much improved compared to last year, which was a travesty, and that the defense, despite the fact there's a lot of question marks in terms of how are guys going to play that are end, that are going to end up having to fill roles? Apparently, the defense even looked a little bit improved against Michigan, and Michigan is a very good offensive team. So I was pleased with the outcome because Michigan, there's people calling for Michigan to be a much improved team over last year. They weren't too bad last year. So for this outcome to be what it was, that you know, it gives Cuse fans reason to be optimistic at least. Now in 2023, 
We've got a new number 22 in jo uh, Joey Spillina. We've got a few huge transfers. One's going to be starting at attack, Alex Simmons. One starting at midfield, Cole Kirst. And one will be starting in cage, I'm told, in Will Mark, the LIU transfer. In this weekend's scrimmage against Mich Michigan, as I said, Everybody looked pretty solid. Uh, the, the numbers were all jacked up, and guys didn't wear their own jerseys. I think that's a little bit overkill in the sport of lacrosse. But like I said, reason to be optimistic. Now, Cuse, I think in this game here against Vermont, I think Cuse is going to roll. And I think I don't think that Cuse is going to roll in a manner that's going to be like holy crap, like the Holy Cross type beating. But I, I wouldn't be the least bit surprised to see an eight-goal game. I wouldn't be surprised to see the, this win go into double digits because – I think that they will try to run the score up a little bit. If Cuse ends up being the better team, and if Cuse ends up six goals up, seven goals up, eight goals up, I don't see them taking their foot off the gas. I see them trying to make a statement in this game after last season's debacle. I think that they're going to want to get their their young guys as many runs as possible, even if that means you know maybe winning a game by 10, 11, 12. Could I eat total shit on this? Absolutely. Vermont could come out and play tough. Uh, the Catamounts, they did lose... Thomas McConvey, but Klosterman, he's a sniper. He can play well. Uh, so, you know, Vermont is going to be a decent team. I just think that we're going to see a huge turnaround with this Cuse team because we have a much different roster. Out are the guys that, from what I've heard, did not gel well all that all that well with Gate and his coaching style last season. And we have a whole new group of guys. We have their guys on campus. Uh, Simmons, don't front on Simmons, the Denver transfer. Kid played for one of the toughest coaches in the history of the game. So him coming here as a senior and starting on our attack line, that should be huge. Kirst is a glue guy, has played attack his whole career, will be running on that first midfield for Syracuse. You're going to see a ton of inverting out of him, I would presume, and letting these kind of attackmen roam around and try to try to rip shots off wings and off the crease. So overall, this is going to be a much different Cuse team. I do not think we're going to have another season under 500. I think they'll be back above 500. And I think this game above all, these guys are pumped. And I think they're going to come out and just run rough shot all over Vermont and Vermont, you know, Hey, nothing against Vermont. I think they're going to have a good team. I picked them to potentially win the America East here, but still Syracuse, I think is going to wax them in this case. Now the next game, I would like to talk about here, and I'm actually on the wrong screen, so let's get to the preview, is the jo uh, Johns Hopkins, I spelt that wrong here, and my notes, I'm going to change it because I have a little bit of OCD here, Johns Hopkins at Jacksonville, their last meeting was last season, uh, uh, February 5th, 2022, Hopkins won that game 11-8 to at Homewood, this one will be played in Jacksonville, uh, and, and maybe it's a neutral site. I'm not sure uh, where it's going to be played, I guess, now that I'm saying that out loud. I, I know Jacksonville's considered the home team, but maybe this one's being played neutral. Who knows? Uh, so this one, going to be really exciting, though. Jacksonville impressed by keeping it so close last season, and everybody was, you know, after Jacksonville's first game, we're like, holy cow, that was a pretty good outing. They actually could have won that game. It ended up looking by season's end, though, like Jacksonville had let one get away. I think Jacksonville last year was the better team. I think if these times these teams played 10 times last season. Jacksonville wins six or seven of them. I think Jacksonville was, in fact, a slightly better team. Definitely better offensively. Definitely better defensively. Midfield, between the boxes, you know, pretty much Jacksonville was the better team overall, I would say, even in cage. Um, so with the bulk of Jacksonville's offense returning, with transfers that we said that they picked up, they picked up a D3 transfer, they picked up Watson from Georgetown. I think this is going to be another close game, but I think in this one, Jacksonville is going to get their revenge and win. Now, Hopkins should also be improved overall. They got Garrett Degnan back. 
He was their leading scorer a year ago. Uh, Jacob Angelis is also back. Their defense returns key starters. I was told based on their scrimmages that they look much. I wasn't told this. I got this out of the fan lacks. Forum fanlax.com. They have their their D1 forums. The, the site's navigation is an absolute shit show. They really need to try to improve the usability of the site. But once you find the forum, incredible content there for each team, especially teams like Maryland and Hopkins and even Syracuse has a, a pretty good following there. I mean, you want to learn some weird crap deep, you know, from the minds of the deep, deep hardcore fans. Fanlax.com and their D1 forums are incredible. Anyway. I was told via that forum that Hopkins actually looked much better in cage this season than they have for years. They've been middling in that area of, you know, below 50% with their keepers for a, quite a while. And apparently they may have an answer in that. I don't know. I haven't done a ton of research into Hopkins yet, but I will as the season goes on here. But the idea being Hopkins should be a little bit better. I think Jacksonville's offense is going to be absolutely incredible and fun to watch. So I could eat crap on this prediction, too, because I do think Jacksonville's going to win. Goal or two, I think, is what the spread's going to be. Uh, but, you know, I heard guys on Inside Lacrosse's The Source actually uh, claim that Jacksonville was the favored team, although I think the Vegas oddmakers had had uh, Hopkins favored, and I actually picked Jacksonville to win money line on that one. So I, I do expect Jacks to win by that one or two goal margin, but legitimately it could go either way. I'm making predictions, but that does not mean I think I'm so smart that I'm actually going to be correct here even half the time. Because I, like I, I said, I suck at making predictions. I really do. This is another important game, I believe, to kind of tell us how things are going to shake out You know, a little bit in the Big Ten. Air Force at Ohio State. Now, this is going to be Ohio State breaking in their new $25 million lacrosse facility, so that's going to be a big deal. Guys are going to be hyped for that. I think Ohio State rolls in this one. And I'm only talking about it because I'm curious to see how much Ohio State is going to end up rolling by. That's going to be key. Offensively, they could potentially be a little bit better than last season. Ohio State can. They have Jack Myers back, who I think should have been a first-team preseason All-American. They do lose Jackson Reed, last year's second-leading scorer to Myers, but they get a wealth of guys back like Kobe Smith, Jason Knox, transfers Richie LaCalandra from LIU, Kyle Lewis from Lynchburg. I expect both of those transfers to factor heavily. Defensively, they bring a lot of guys back. But despite that, as I said in my preview earlier, they still weren't very good on defense last year, but they are bringing a bunch of those guys back with a little bit more experience under their belt. So that's another reason I'll be watching this game closely. What are the Buckeyes going to look like defensively? If the Buckeyes are as good as I think they are, Ohio State wins by seven or more, and they'll be up by nine to ten goals at some point in this game before calling the dogs off. I don't think they're going to do what Syracuse is possibly going to do against um, Vermont because they don't have a, the anger problem that Syracuse is going to have in this game. Now, I could be a bit off because it's possible Air Force is a bit better than I'm giving them credit for. So this isn't me trying to crap on Air Force. I think they're going to be a decent team. I actually believe Ohio State has the potential to be a top seven team, though, this year in uh, 2023. And a big win over Air Force is to a degree what I expect. I hope that kind of proves me right. And, uh, and even though Air Force scraps early in the season, I still think Air, uh, Ohio State opening the new facility with what they have coming back, with some of the transfers they have that are going to be excited to be playing for the Buckeyes, I think Ohio State ends up rolling in this one by seven or more goals. Next one, and this is also going to be a huge game to kind of help us figure out how is the Big Ten going to shake out here. Maryland hosting Richmond. 
And uh, last meeting was uh, February 8th, 2020. The result, Maryland won 14-13 to at Richmond. Now, this is an important game to me because it's going to tell us right away what we can expect from this Maryland team. Richmond also lo- lost quite a bit of talent from last year's squad. So I feel that this, you know, the way this game plays out, it's going to give us a bit more info so we can kind of begin putting that data together and deciding, all right, hey, what's Maryland look like offensively? What does Richmond look like defensively and offensively? Because they lost people all over. So the questions we want answered for Maryland, who's going to be their alpha on offense? I expect it to take a kind of a couple of weeks, most likely to figure that out, but who's going to come out and impress right away is going to be the question. Who's going to be the initiators on offense? Who are going to be the the off-ball studs? As we said, they lost, what, their top four leading scorers to graduation. They lost their fifth leading scorer, who would have been their returning leading scorer to, the, to an end-of-the-season injury. So they have a lot of question marks on offense, but in fairness, I wondered how that offense was going to look last year. I predicted it was going to take them some time to start gelling, and it did. I mean, they were playing really good lacrosse right out the gate, so they didn't need a lot of time to gel. But by the end of the season, that was one of the most efficient offenses we've ever seen in the history of college lacrosse. So how are they going to look on offense? Who's going to be the alpha? Also questioned uh, for Maryland, how will the defense do breaking in their new short stick D mids? Their defensive midfielders were one of last year's biggest strengths overall for that team, and it helped them immensely both defensively and between the boxes because they they pushed so much transition. They lose their top four defensive midfielders here and all American caliber guys. So that's going to hurt them on defense for sure. Now, luckily they got McNaney back, Maycar, uh, Zapatello. They've got a bunch of dudes back that are going to be able to anchor that D, but people are, uh, you know, nowadays people, you can't underestimate what short stick D midfielders mean to your team and to your defense overall. Syracuse's defense has struggled over the last few years. I put a lot of that on They've always had a good short stick D mid kind of at the top of that pack, but their depth, Syracuse's depth at defensive midfielder has been poor. And if you don't have three good defensive midfielders, that's going to hurt your defense. And we got to see what Maryland's going to plug in. I heard that rope unit look good in their scrimmages against Duke and in uh, who, who else did they scrimmage? They scrimmaged Navy. Can't remember, but I heard that their defense actually impressed. I heard offensively they look good, so we'll see how that goes. Now, keys in the game for Richmond, avoid dodging on Maycar and Zapatello and Gepper. You want, you're going to want to avoid those three poles if you're Richmond. They don't have any studs I think this year that are going to be able to handle that level of heat consistently. So I think that they have to try abusing the short stick D midfielders at the midfield early on in this game, which will then force slides and open up those attackmen down low to score some goals. This isn't a plan that's going to work all game long. At some point, you're going to have to start pressing uh, offensively all over the place, and you will have to run on a guy like Makar or Zapatello every once in a while. But I think early on, you're probably going to see Richmond go after the new short stick D mids, and that will be key to having them you know, maybe keep this thing a little bit closer early on. Richmond's also going to have a lot of young guys getting time, and if they're going to keep this game close, they're going to have to come out and play from the beginning, which I don't think will be a problem. Richmond has been another one of those mid-major teams that that at times has been right on the cusp of breaking through. But no matter what they've lost over the course of the last handful of years, they they come back every year and they've been pretty good. So I don't think this is going to be a a blowout by any means. I think that both teams lost a bunch of their offensive firepower last year. So we'll watch closely who does what for them offensively, who's going to initiate, who's going to consistently win matchups. In the end, I like Maryland in this one. I like them by about five or so goals. I think the spread, the Vegas spread, what was it? They had Maryland by seven and a half. 
Uh, so I actually like Richmond to cover that one. We'll talk about that in Friday's betting show. Uh, I feel like a five to seven goal win for Maryland would be a big success. And uh, but because both teams lost a wealth of talent, it's possible Richmond isn't able to close a gap. So it's still possible Maryland comes out and beats them by 10 because that's what would have happened last year if these two teams had played and, you know, both of them lost talent. So maybe the gap isn't going to close all that much. So I'm very curious to see how this game is going to play out overall. All right. Now the rest of these games, nothing written up. So I'm going to fly by the seat of my pants for the rest here. We have Denver hosting Utah. Now I've already, I believe I've already claimed Utah, I think will actually come out here and potentially beat Denver. The reasoning is reason is Denver has lost all sorts of talent, more specifically talent on the offensive side of the field. They've bled all of their leading scorers. I think Silstrop comes back as their leading scorer. Utah, what they won 10 games last year, a very good squad last year, and they bring back the bulk of that talent here between this year and last season. So in this game here, which is going to be huge for both teams, and it's you know Coach Bill Tierney's final farewell to uh, you know, D1 college across, at least as far as we know. Uh, every season is going to be a big deal. Every new place that he goes and plays, it's going to be a big deal and people saying goodbye. Utah certainly going to be excited to come in and play spoiler uh, to open Denver's season. I actually do think that Utah can win in this game. I expect a very close game. They've played close. If we kind of go through here and we look at what they've done over the last couple of seasons, Utah uh, lost by a goal a season ago to Denver. If we go down to 2021, Utah only lost by a goal uh, two seasons ago. So the last two times these teams have met, Utah has hung tough and played Denver well. So I, in this one, I think Utah is going to go into Denver. I think Utah is going to knock Denver off. I believe it would be the first time in their program's history, and that'll just be a great start to that to their their season. But uh, I, you know, once again. Who knows? Maybe the Denver guys are going to be pumped, but I like Utah. The next one I want to talk about, and I only want to talk about this one because this one's the first game. It seems like Mercer is hell-bent on making sure they have the first game every year that's played, and they're doing so this year by starting at 11.30 instead of noon with the rest of the team. So I'll probably turn this on. I'll watch the first half hour before I, I ditch it, but I think Bucknell takes this game. I think Bucknell's actually middle of the pack uh, in the Patriot just based off paper. And I think the middle of the pack in the uh, in the Patriots going to be better than anything Mercer can do. And let's go on to the and Mercer lost their leading scorer from a year ago, so that hurts them as well. Next one, Duke Bellerman. I'm not that curious about this one. I just want to see how well the Duke offense gels. If Duke comes out and just absolutely thrashes Bellerman. It doesn't necessarily tell us how Duke is going to hold up against the ACC and a lot of their other really tough non-conference games, but what it will show us is how does this offense look playing together because I think that's been the big knock on Duke the last couple of years, even the years that Sowers played there. They had a lot of really good individual players, but they never ended up gelling offensively in a consistent enough manner. You know, you didn't know what you were going to get. You know, Sowers would trash on people one game last season, uh, you know, but then maybe be a little quiet in another O'Neal similar last season. He'd have a huge game, and then he'd be a little bit quiet. So I want to see consistency out of the big cats, and I want to see them play well and actually gel together, similar to what Virginia's done the last couple of seasons and to what Maryland did last year. That's all it's going to take for this Duke team to get back to a Final Four. They have the talent on the roster to be that good. They just haven't been that good on the field. So once again, this game isn't going to tell us a whole lot, but if Duke puts up a 20 spot on Bellarmine and they look good all over the field, that's at least a good sign for them. And it's a good way to get some flow and to try to get some momentum overall. 
only talking about this one here because Marquette plays Lindenwood at home. It's Lindenwood's entry into the Division One landscape. They've got a couple of filthy dudes that played at the D2 level last year that did well. I think Marquette will probably win this game, but I wouldn't be surprised if it wasn't you know semi-close. Marquette could actually have a pretty solid squad this year. Navy against Mount St. Mary's. I Mount St. Mary's has been tough. The Mount's been tough the last handful of years on and off. You know, I mean, it, it, it ebbs and flows here. Navy, I did squeak into my top 20 overall. So I'm talking about this one because Navy's going to pull an oddity. They're going to play Mount St. Mary's on Saturday, and then they're going to turn around and play Queens on Sunday. So that's a weird way to start your season overall. But, you know, Navy's going to start 2-0, 3-0, 4-0. And then I think that high point game will be a really good test for them. But I do think Navy's going to be 4-0 heading into high point, Lehigh, Colgate, Hopkins. They got a really tough stretch. So easy slate to start, I think. But then they go into high point, Lehigh, Colgate, Hopkins, Villanova. You know, they don't have another easy game after Manhattan until they hit Holy Cross. Navy's going to roll in it, though, I think, against them out. Uh, let's say r- rolling for Navy is winning by seven, eight goals or so, and that's an ass-whooping for Navy. They're not they're not one to run the score up and win by a huge monster margin. Uh, Merrimack Hofstra, I have no idea who's going to win this game, but I was just going to you know try to make a pick here, and I'm going to go with Hofstra looked really rough last year, so I'm going to just say Merrimack is going to win this game. I'm basing it on nothing, so if you play for one of these teams or if you're a parent, don't be mad. I'm just trying to go through the games that are being played. And all of these games tomorrow or Saturday are going to be played between pretty much noon and 4, and then the, the outlier is going to be that Jacksonville-Hopkins game, which I think was a nightcap game at 7 o'clock. Um, Providence, Holy Cross. Once again, I have no idea, but I'm going with Providence in that. Holy Cross doesn't win shit uh, uh, lately. Penn State, Lafayette. I think Penn State's going to win this game, but like in some of these other games, I want to see what they do. Lafayette, I don't expect to be very good this year. Penn State, bottom of the Big Ten last season. I think they'll be a little bit improved. Offensively, they were pretty much terrible last year. They can't be as bad, I think, as they were last year, and they do have some young guys and a couple of transfers coming in. So let's see if Penn State looks better, but I think they will wax Lafayette. This one, not going to be all that interesting. Rutgers should beat up on Marist pretty handily which is why I'm talking about it this late in the episode. But as I said, I just want to see what do they do? How does Ross Scott look losing some of the talent around him? Is he still going to just run around and thrash the shit out of people? I assume so. So Rutgers and Maris should be another not good game, but an interesting game to watch as are all of these here. And uh, then, I, like I said, Navy and Queens play. So I think I touched on every freaking game. As I said, the one I'm the most excited about here. Did I get that right? Syracuse, I'm wearing my, my, Homer, my Homer gear today. Um, so that's the slate of games Friday. I'm going to be back. I'm going to do the betting show and I'm going to go through and specifically tell you what bets did I take and just kind of outline my reasons for, you know, what I'm doing this season as it pertains to betting. I'm mostly just going to try to stack wins. So even if that means taking the money line in a stupid game, because I'm not sure what the over unders are going to be, or if they're going to cover the spread or not, my betting this year is going to be a ton of money lines to just try to stack wins so that when I do take some chances here and there on some odd, you know, where I think the odds are in my favor a little bit more. Uh, If I lose, I won't lose my ass or anything like that. So come back Friday for the betting show. I forgot what I called it, lacrosse lines or something like that. And then obviously Sunday, the big day, come back Sunday morning at the crack of dawn. I will have the full recap of all of Saturday's games with highlights and all my beautiful commentary on Sunday. So the first college lacrosse show 
by me of the season will be Sunday morning. And then, like I said, we'll just keep the schedule through the rest of the year. Sunday is the big lacrosse show, the big uh, recap show. Wednesday, we're going to look at the upcoming games and talk maybe a little bit about some pro lacrosse. And then um, uh, Fridays, we'll do the lacrosse lines betting show with some other things. I'm going to try to get some guests uh, in here for the Wednesday show and for the betting show, but Sunday we're just going to keep it simple and it's just going to be me rambling all the time. So that's it. I am done. Uh, be sure to come back on Friday. Be sure to come back on Sunday for damn sure. Uh, be sure to share, like, subscribe, all that crap. Share this with your buddies, though. Let's make people smart uh, by getting them to watch me more and more during the season. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And Hoost is out. Factor Podcast.